In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And today, my sermon could end there. Because that's what we're talking about. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But I do want to pass my vicar year, so I'm going to go on. Even if you're relieved that it was going to be the shortest sermon ever. Today we get a special chance to talk about the Trinity. Our amazing God. And that's who he is. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is how we talk about him. Three persons, yet only one God. And that's what Trinity means. And today we're going to look at the words from 1 John chapter 5. And they begin in an interesting way. They begin like this. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So the first thing he wants to talk about, the reason he brings up the Trinity in the first place is because he wants to answer this question. Who is it that overcomes the world? And so let's think about that. What are things that you have to overcome? You might not use the word too much. You overcome obstacles. You get over a cold, things like that. What are things you overcome? If you're anything like me, the first thing you think of is your friend or a sibling, someone who's close to you. For me, it was my older brother. And every year around this time, summertime, after dinner, he would pull out a certain board and get everything set up for Monopoly. And when he did that, I knew we were in for at least three days of one of the longest games our family could play. And this was always my goal, to overcome my brother. Because guess what? The outcome was always the same. My brother would just dominate. I couldn't beat him. He was my older brother, and it might have to do with the fact that he was always the banker. <laughs> but I couldn't ever do it. I would try, and I would try, and I would try, and I just couldn't overcome him. It was a huge obstacle for me, and I don't think I've ever done it yet. And he is an aerospace engineer, so I think I'm doing okay. It was something I wanted to overcome, and it, it, the same thing applied in many different areas. He was better at me than basketball. He was better at me in school. He didn't seem to study, but he got straight A's. I couldn't overcome my brother. But I got a chance to ask him for advice. When I couldn't overcome something, and since he was better at it than I was, I got a chance to talk to him. So what are things that we can't overcome? We have obstacles at work, right? We run into problems, we work with people, and what do we do? We go to people who excel at what their job, at what they do, we ask them. We run into things with our fitness and our health, we have things we want to overcome. Maybe it's your finances, we just started a Dave Ramsey class. There are many people who said, I need to overcome this roadblock. And what do you do? You get some advice to help you overcome. Well, you see, John wants to help us out. He wants to give us an answer to this question, who is it that overcomes? But he doesn't just want to talk about your brother and a game of Monopoly. He doesn't just want to talk about your work, your finances, your health. He's going big. I want to overcome the world. And how can we do that? But John gives us the answer right away. Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And so today, today we want to look at that. How is such a simple answer, the one believing in the Son of God, the answer to this giant question, how can we 
overcome the world, if we can't even overcome these little things, if I could never even beat my brother in Monopoly. And today we're going to see something special. Today we're going to see why John brings up the Trinity. It's because the Trinity testifies to you and to me. And the Trinity testifies to the truth. So first, we're going to talk just a little bit about each person of the Trinity. And we're going to start with God the Father. What does John say about him? But God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he's given about his son. He simply says this, God's testimony is greater. It's the best. And I think we can understand that. Who is God the Father? He's the God of the Old Testament, right? He led the nation of Israel through the wilderness. He performed amazing things. He sent his only son to die on a cross for us. He's the God who still works to preserve the entire world. That's a God of power, right? His testimony must be greater. But I think we can understand it on a different level, too. See, if God were visible right now, I would take a guess at who everybody here would be listening to. I sure hope it wouldn't be me. We all want to hear God's word, right? We want to hear what God has to say, because why? His testimony is greater. He's the one we can trust. He's the one everybody looks to. That's even the reason the Jews decided to send Jesus to the cross, right? They wanted to hold to God the Father's testimony. They had it wrong, but they were trying to hold to that because that's the place they gave it. And these are the people that John is writing to. But we see God's testimony in different ways throughout the New Testament, right? We see it in Jesus' words. He constantly, numerous times, points to God the Father. And he says, these words aren't my own, but they're God's. You see, it's God's testimony about his Son. And we also see it in two specific instances. You might remember the Mount of Transfiguration, a special mountain. Jesus takes a special group of disciples up to this mountain, and all of a sudden, he changes, and we can see all of his glory. It's a special day, a day we celebrate just like Trinity Sunday. And who do we see there? We see God the Father. And he has one message a very simple message. This is my son. And then we see it again at Jesus' baptism. Another special day that might be hard to understand when John the Baptist baptizes Jesus and he starts his public ministry, who else is there? God the Father. And he has a very specific message straight from his own mouth. This is my son. You see, John starts with God the Father, and he says his testimony is greater. And at the end of the day, we see it's a very simple testimony. Jesus is God's own son. Jesus is our Savior. John also talks about the Holy Spirit. And this is what he says. This is what he says. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is truth. Another person of the Trinity, and this is a simple message, the Spirit is the truth. And I think in today's world, it's a breath of fresh air, right? We have fake news. We have whole groups of people being raised that truth is subjective. Truth is something you carry with yourself. Whole groups of people that just are skeptics of what the truth actually is, who want to tell you that there is no truth. What a breath of fresh air that we have a God of truth. 
God who actually says something, a spirit that testifies to us and is not going to lie. But where do we hear the spirit's testimony? What is John trying to say? And I think it's good that it came, this Sunday came right after Pentecost Sunday, because who do we see on Pentecost? The Holy Spirit. He comes down on his disciples in an amazing way, in a gust of wind. Everybody knows something is happening, and suddenly there's a little fire on top of the disciples. Tongues of fire. Everyone knows something is happening. But what's the point? Why does the Spirit let all of this happen? Why does he make people speak different languages, languages they've never studied? Because he has a simple message. Jesus, the one who was crucified not 50 days ago, is your Savior. Promised in the Old Testament and now come to die for you. See, the Spirit testified to God's truth. The Spirit testified a simple message that Jesus is our Savior. And I think we don't just have to look at Pentecost. We can understand how the Holy Spirit works even today. And again, we talk about it in two different ways. First, there's baptism. When we see the Holy Spirit at work, changing the hearts of both young and old through water and the word with a very simple message, a message about a triune God, a message about a Savior who forgives sins, turning people away from their selves, strengthening and creating faith in hearts. And we see it again in communion, something we'll celebrate today, and we see the Holy Spirit at work again, offering us in a tangible way the forgiveness of sins, and why? Because he has a testimony, a testimony about Christ. And what he has done for us on the cross and what it means for us, you see, the Spirit also testifies to you and to me every day. And finally, we have the Son, the last person of the Trinity. This is the one who came by water and the blood, Jesus Christ. And he did not come by water only, but by water and the blood. And John talks about Jesus a little differently. You see, we hear the testimony about God and his Son. We see the Holy Spirit at work giving us God's amazing word about the Son. And we also hear Jesus' words in the New Testament. But it's not exactly what we want to look like, what we want to look at. Because you see, anyone can testify great things about themselves. How many of you have a friend here who when starts talking about themselves, you have to take things down a couple notches? Because you know they might not be telling you the exact truth. You see, Jesus even understood that fact. When someone's talking about themselves, we might not believe them. And so what does he do? He points to God the Father, and John points to this, the one who came by water and the blood. We've talked a little bit about Jesus baptizing, about Jesus' baptism, the one who came by water. But John also points to this, the one who came by blood. Not exactly to Jesus' words, but to Jesus' life. You see, Jesus' life was his testimony to you and to me. Jesus was God in human form. Jesus was God with us. He encountered the same problems we had, struggled with the same things we did. He hungered. He thirsted. He grew. He had temptations coming at him. He saw pain and sadness in the world. He wept. But Jesus was different. Jesus' life, his blood, 
was perfect, and he offered that life to us. Jesus was different. He died on a cross, and he suffered the ultimate pain so that we wouldn't have to. Jesus was different. When he died, three days later, he was able to rise again in blood and flesh to tell us that we would have life forever so that at the end of this section, John could say, whoever has the Son has life. Jesus testifies to us with his whole life, his blood given for you and for me. See, what John wants to outline in his text is that we have a trinity. Three different people all testifying the same amazing message that Jesus is our Savior. Our Savior from this world and that's how we can overcome the world. But now, I want to think about what is it that you believe? Or maybe better, why is it that you believe what you do? Because that's why I think John starts to talk about the Trinity. And this is where he starts. Is my clicker? There it is. And this is where he starts. We accept human testimony. He's coming at it from an angle that we can understand. We accept the things humans tell us, right? I trusted my brother when I asked him for advice about Monopoly. We trust our doctors, right? People who care for us. We go to experts. We talked about that in the beginning. When you want to overcome something, you go to an expert. You also trust people who, ca who care about you, friends, family, people who are close to you. We accept human testimony. But where does that testimony go wrong? When do we stop believing what people tell us? You see, for me, going back to my example, I asked my brother for help, and I trusted him. And what did he tell me? He told me that the three with hotels, actually, the light blue, were the best properties to get, and that's how I was going to win. And if I have Monopoly players out there, you might know how good this advice was. It's pretty poor advice. And I trusted him. And that's where it went wrong, right? I realized that he might not have had my best interests in mind. And the same thing is true of the people we go to. When you realize they might not be caring for you the way you expect, they're using their superior knowledge against you, you start to doubt that testimony. I mean, how many of you would trust a doctor who told you, brought you aside after your appointment and said, hey, I got these pills. If you take them just a couple times, you're going to live at least 50 years longer than you're supposed to. I don't think I'd be seeing that guy anymore. That would break my trust with him. It's something you can't believe. But what does God tell us today? He tells us that we can overcome the world, and we believe him. He tells us that we are going to have life forever, not just 50 years, and we believe him. And why is that? It's a good thing, but why can we believe a God who says something like that? It's because we have a trinity that testifies to us. But why does it always feel like we can overcome the world? Why doesn't it always feel like we're going to have life forever? You see, that's why John brings up the Trinity. 
That's why he starts talking about this amazing doctrine that God presents for us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in, in one God. It's because we can't possibly understand it. It's something we accept. It's something we believe because God tells it to us. There are illustrations, analogies that people try to use, the three-leaf clover, an apple with skin on the outside, meat on the inside, and a corn in the middle. But at the end of the day, they all lack in some way because the Trinity, our amazing God, is just simply outside of our experience. He's a God we want to believe in. And so why does he bring it up? I think we find it in the middle, verse 10. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony, this testimony about this Trinity. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. Whoever believes God, whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar. See, I didn't understand what John was trying to say at first. And then it hit me. The Trinity, this amazing God, is something that I've believed since I was a little child. It's something that probably because it's outside of my understanding is easy for me to believe. But John was writing to some people who might have struggled with what he was saying. To people who might have struggled to believe that Jesus, this person they saw suffer and die, was actually their Lord and Savior, God himself. And then I realized, what would John be writing about today? What things do we struggle with as we think about our faith and our belief? Would he be writing about human sexuality? What the world tells us about it and God's clear message on it? Would he be writing about the roles of men and women? About creation that only took six days? About Jesus' miracles and how someone could feed 5,000 people, someone could raise people from the dead. Or maybe it's as simple as the message of sin. What is it that you struggle with? What is it that you at times find yourself not believing? And maybe it's that thing that God clearly tells you is a sin, but that you tell yourself is okay. It doesn't matter anymore. What are the things that test your faith? You see, I think that is why John brings up this trinity. Whoever does not believe God and what he tells us clearly in his word has made him out to be a liar. And if we can't believe the amazing things, the clear things God says in his word, then why is it that we would believe that he could send his son to die on a cross in our place? You see, there are things we struggle with. And it might not be the doctrine of the Trinity, something we think about today and trust and believe. But thankfully, that, that isn't the end of the story. That's not where John leaves his message. You see, he brings up this huge doctrine, something we can't wrap our head around. He wants you to think about the things that you struggle with 
the things that God says that can be confusing because God has a lot of things to say in his word. We found that when we did our last sermon series, The Bible in Seven Weeks. It's a big book. God's got a lot to say. But the reason John brings this up is because he wants you to not miss a very simple message. He wants you to always understand this. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. After all of this talking, after kind of a confusing text, after looking at the Trinity, he says this. The Son, Jesus, equals life. That's it. That's all he wants you to know. Because that is God's most important message to you. You see, we're a group of people who all struggle with God, with what God has to say to us, but we're also a group of people who believe that God created this entire world, who believe that God sent his very own son to live a perfect life in our place, to die on a cross so that we wouldn't have to suffer eternally. We're a group of people who doesn't live as the world lives, who has overcome the world, all because of a simple faith. A faith that believes whoever has the Son has life. And that's a faith that changes our life right now. That's a faith that guarantees us eternal life. That's a faith we can share. Because it doesn't matter how complicated something might be. It doesn't matter how hard you might think it is for someone else to believe. It's a faith we can share because it's not your word. It's the word of a triune God. The Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit who all testify to us, who all testify to the world that Jesus is the Christ. Whoever has the Son has life. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for giving us your word and thank you for being an amazing God. You've told us very clearly what we need for our salvation. You've testified very clearly that Jesus is our Savior from sin. Help us as we struggle with your words. Help us as we struggle with the things you tell us that we may never lose sight of your most important message. In your Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.